we would say that we're more data influenced and we're result driven. You got to know your athlete and you got to understand what kind of type of mover they are. You have to understand what they're, you know, in in a good sense, you know, what they're capable of. Just like any evaluation technology that is available right now, you have to understand what it's capable of doing and what it's not capable of doing. You need to know where its limitations are. There's people with technology that are messing hitters up and there's people that are without technology that are making players better. There's also people without technology that are making players worse. And there's also people with technology that are making people better. I need to teach you how to create force in shorter windows so that you can be a better hitter. Fellas, fellas, fellas. Welcome back to the Farm System Podcast, your home for baseball development. We're here for you, by you, and with you. I'm your co-host, Joey Cunha. And I'm Bo Callis. This podcast is designed for coaches, players, scouts, really anyone looking to further their development in the game of baseball. Here at the Farm System, we take pride in being lifelong learners, and we're here to be a bridge from where you are to where you're going. We'd like to welcome back our veteran listeners. We're happy to grow with you again. We'd also like to welcome our first-time listeners, the rookies. Don't worry, every vet was once a rookie. This podcast is brought to you by our partners over at Rapsodo. Measure to master. Rapsodo brings powerful insights into every pitch. They help players and coaches improve their performance through real data. On this episode, Bo and I actually sit down and we're kind of looking for different ways to push the game forward. After we talked through some different discussions, Bo started talking to me about um, one of the some of the social media things that I've been putting out lately and also going through how we go through progressions over at 108 and how we go about some of our assessments and we're looking for more and more ways of things that we can do for you guys as coaches pull up a seat grab your notepad here's Garth and Harold Welcome back to the farm system. Well, guys, you know, one thing that we really strive for here at the farm system is giving you guys uh, weekly content that you guys can pull back and make applicable um, into your programs and kind of grow you guys as coaches uh, or growing your organizations. So, you know, one thing that we're going to really dive into here going forward is kind of continuing on that mission and just some different ways and some different segments of really trying to help coaches in any way we can. Absolutely. You want to provide valuable information to uh, coaches, players, whoever is listening into the podcast and provide you adequate takeaways that you could uh, apply to your program on a weekly basis. And um, one of those videos um, on those platforms that got a lot of attention this week was that repattering video that you actually showed on your personal account, Joey. And uh, coaches, if you haven't seen that video, now's a great time to head over to his personal account. It's at underscore Joey Cunha. And, and, and take a look at that, that repattering videos. And I think you'll have a lot of questions as I do, Joey. Um, I actually wanted to start off with one here for you. When, when you get a player to the facility, take us through the process of how you decide if they actually need to get their movements repatterned. Yeah, no, I think that's a really great question. And I think, um, again, actually has a whole bunch of depth to that. I mean, obviously, um, we get players at a whole bunch of different times of the year um, at different stages in their process. And so when we get guys, you know, big thing we look at is we kind of look, uh, you know, first off, we, we sit down and kind of have an orientation. We under kind of get a better idea if they're actually a great fit for our program or if they're not going to be a great fit for our program and uh, kind of our culture. Um, I forgot who said it, but, you know, at the end of the day, we try to protect our culture at all costs. 
And uh, for us to do that, you know, we kind of have to get a better idea of who they are as a person and kind of what their mindset is when it comes to uh, development, because we do things uh, quite a bit different at 108. So um, when we get those, uh, we get those uh, players, we sit down with them get an idea of things that they struggle with, things they want to get better at, um, kind of go through that uh, kind of like an interview process. Um, once we get through that prod, uh, that part of it, um, we actually go through an assessment stage. Um, and unlike, you know, we don't, uh, right off the bat do like a physical assessment or anything like that in the sense of like, you know, passive range of motion or like guys laying on a table and we just like measuring kind of like these old school, uh, approaches of like how much internal, you know, hip, hip rotation does this guy have external, uh, all these things Like we don't go through all those passive range of motion tests. We actually let, uh, the movement that we're kind of looking at, uh, tell us a lot about them, um, before we actually go into some of those assessments. So a big part of that, um, a big part of that actually is once we do that and we, we watch them, you know, hit, or we watch them throw, we actually want them to go through their normal routine. Um, and once they go through their normal routine, um, again, that's like how they're getting ready. If they, you know, if a guy a hitter wants to just jump in the cage and start hitting off the tee and, you know, getting going, like if that's their normal routine, that's what we want to see. Um, and so guys get in there, they start hitting. Um, and we kind of take, we take in a whole bunch of data. We take in, um, you know, obviously we take a lot of video. We put them on our uh, 3d software as well. Uh, we also take in a whole bunch of data collection in the sense of, you know, exit velocities, launch angles, uh, spin, you know, from our Rapsodo units again, which, what, what's their constant like spin direction and what sides of the field where they hit the ball the hardest in certain launch angles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we kind of take in all of that information. Um, and then once we look at holistically that and also the interview process and what that athlete is looking to obtain, we kind of make a plan um, from that point. Obviously we have to have a time frame on that, right? So, our time frame is very important. Like, let's say, you know, like, let's say, Bo, like somebody comes in and, you know, they have, you know, two months before season. Well, that's a very limited time frame for me to do like a big change in somebody's swing. Right. So like when I, when we look at that, when we look at that and I have a time frame of what I'm really, uh, what I'm looking at, um, that kind of gives me a clear expectations of what I can do with that hitter or, you know, what we can do with that pitcher or, you know, that athlete period. So with that being said, um, once we have that and we have that time frame and we know the moves that they're trying to uh, create or things that they would like to accomplish, we then, you know, start trying to figure out their bodies uh, more throughout that process. Like, uh, I don't, I don't think we really believe in just looking at a guy's, you know, him swing a couple times or even assessment on a table. And you're going to tell me exactly how that guy moves um, and what's going to be optimal for that guy. We don't think that that there's yeah. one way optimal to swing a bat or anything like that. So because of that, you know, it, it's really becomes a process of give and take um, of what, what we're looking for and uh, what we think is going to be best for that athlete. Um, so to yeah. kind of answer your, your question, you know, kind of originally with that and circling back to that is when we look, when we evaluate the time frame, what they're trying to accomplish, um, you know, what, where they're at in their process in the sense of, you know, does, is this year kind of a wash for them? Are they like a freshman in college? Um, are they at a Juca? Are they at a four-year college where they might only get like 20 ABs this year? You know, do we, do they have the mindset that they're willing to kind of buy into a process and, you know, kind of repattern their whole swing? Do they even need that? Some guys just need little tweaks. Um, some guys don't need Mm -hmm. a big full repattern like we have, um, on that video that we were talking about, like some guys don't need that. Um, and so that's a big, uh, to your, to your point there, it's, it's very dependent on the athlete and like what they're trying to accomplish and a whole bunch of different factors that we, we add in. Yeah. And before we move into the video, you touched on a few things I wanted you to answer. Um, so you say you let them go through their routine and then you start taking, collecting data. 
how many times do you collect data or how much feedback do you want to get before you said you take the guy's averages? Is this all in one day or is that process, how long does that process occur for where you're collecting the data and making that plan moving forward? Yeah, no, great question. So we uh, went away, we, one thing we presented at Palooza and we, we had said the statement, a lot of people will say that they're data driven. Um, first off, um, I don't believe that a lot of places that say that they're data driven are data driven. There's very few facilities across the nation that kind of run their operations that way. Um, but we would say that we're more data influenced and we're result driven. Um, and the reason that we say that is there's a lot of uh, ways that the body moves and there's a lot of things uh, that make that would be most optimal for an athlete that we don't I would say we don't have currently have technology to uh, like holistically understand exactly what's optimal. Um, and I don't even really like the word optimal because it's just so hard to define when it comes to a player. Like at what day, at what stage, their bodies are changing over time. What's the optimal length tension relationship for that player compared to, you know, this week compared to last week? Like, you know, you obviously have like a roadmap of, um, you know, when you look at these guys, I've seen so many athletes working with about 200 athletes a week, you kind of get an idea of, you know, some generalities that are, that are great across the board. Um, but with that being said, you have, there is no hundred percent, this is the plan and we're going to stick with this. So to kind of go back and circle back to, you know, your question there is just that, you know, we, um, we take in data, we take in data and we let the data influence what we're seeing. Um, now with that being said, you know, it's just like someone that has uh, been doing their job for a really long time. You can see a lot of things with your eyes, and I think a lot of people discount that. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I can easily see a lot of the angles that the guy is creating. Um, I can I can easily see um, again if they're like if I feel like they're um, you know they're not balanced, if they're losing the ground, if uh, they're not bracing at impact, if they're not you know they're not creating um, like if they're dissipating force um, all throughout their bodies. There's a lot of things that I can see with my eyes now. It uh, doesn't mean that I always, you know, that we always trust our eyes, but we use that along with the data to kind of understand if we see, um, I wouldn't say like there is, there's definitely some organizations that will say that they need, you know, that they'll take in like 300 swings or something like that to like understand a hitter and how they move. And mm-hmm. I would say definitely in my opinion, personally, I don't think that that's necessary. And I also think it's very uh, time consuming. Um, while you can also, mm-hmm. you know, definitely get an idea and a, a more, I guess you would say holistic if you got 300 pitches, you know, there's also a whole bunch of variables when, and within that, you know, where again, like the, who's feeding the machine and, um, you know, what type of machine again, is it certain pitches? Is the machine actually being moved around? Is it inside outside? I mean, again, like uh, you'd have to add a whole bunch of different things rather than in general, like I can see a guy hit off a tee or hit a guy hit off front toss and a couple swings, um, off of like a machine and get a pretty good idea of how that guy moves, which is, um, I think it's funny how like some guys try to like outland that like make that sound like an outlandish um idea when scouts have been doing that for a really long time <laughs> you know they come up they they see a couple guys ab's um you know and obviously like that there's guys that have been drafted now obviously if you're you're getting a guy that's you know much higher in the draft uh you know they would go and see him multiple times but um you know there's just some things that obviously you start picking up with um over time when you're actually doing that profession you know there's somebody that's a that makes cakes and they can show up and they can tell you okay well, just looking at your body here, or like looking how you're doing this, this is the mistakes that I think that you might run into. And just because they've been doing it for uh, for a long time, or they work with a lot of athletes, or they, in this case, would made a lot of cakes and they've seen a lot of mistakes. So like, there's a lot of things that, um, you know, we, we take on a lot of this, this data, but it, I wouldn't say, um, you know, it's definitely not like 300 swings or something like that. Like we can, we can pretty, have a pretty good assessment of where to start, where to start. Not like, again, we're not going with a, 
white and black plan of how we're going to go about training this guy. But we have a pretty good idea of, again, after watching a guy um, take some T swings, I would say, I don't know, somewhere in the range of, uh, you know, if I see a guy take like 20 swings off the T, you know, 20 front toss, you know, and then throw them on a machine or BP. Um, I always want to see machine machines, very big for me. Um, so I always want to see mm-hmm. them on the machine. Um, but with that being said, again, after, after I, I see about 20 of each of those, like I'm, I, I would, and a lot of guys, I don't even need 20, but mm-hmm. you can have a pretty good idea of like, you know, some things that this guy's going to need to work on, um, to kind of get better. And like, what's in a way that we'd want to attack it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and you're only collecting data from his swings off the machine, correct? Correct. Yeah. So we use collecting data throughout the whole process. Yeah, yeah, we're collecting data throughout the whole process. So again, we're using, you know, blast motion for their bats. We're using rap soto. We're using sometimes we also overlay uh hit tracks and uh flight scope because we have those as well. Um, and we're also taking again like our 3D data as well. Um, you can kind of see like uh there's some markerless software where you can get a pretty good idea. Uh, it gives you some numerical values, but mostly I like uh, the 3D functions where you can kind of change the spacing and kind of see that the angles that they're creating without mm-hmm. having the noise of like the background or the noise of just seeing like a ball flying or something like that. Um, it just kind of gives you another perspective of how to view the swing. So um, I think mm-hmm. a lot of those things are are big. But again, everything's dependent on the athlete, um, you know, and it's, it's definitely, you got to know your athlete and you got to understand what kind of type of mover they are. You have to understand what they're, you know, in a, in a good sense, you know, what they're capable of. Um, and also to, you know, again, you're taking in a whole bunch of different variables, you know, heights, weights, levels of play, you know, uh, taking in an injury background, you know, all these things, you're overlaying them all together. And that's what makes it so complex is that the uh, someone gave, gave a great analogy at the ABCA when I was there uh, just uh, just a few weeks ago is if anybody was to hand you a Swiss watch to most people um, and say, hey, this is broken. Can you fix it? Most people would hand it back and say, no, 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 no. Like that's not I, I, I don't do that. Like that's a very complex um, you know, thing to do. And I, mm-hmm. I can't fix that. But when we look at the human mm-hmm. body, which is far more complex than a Swiss watch. Um, it's funny how many people that think that they can just make this little change or do that or do this. And all of a sudden this person's just going to be amazingly better. Um, that's just, you yeah. know, couldn't be further from the truth when, you know, I just work with too mm-hmm. many athletes, uh, that see so many different results from guys doing different things. Um, so, yeah. um, I think that's a big thing for us is that when, in the very beginning, when I say, when I, you know, people hear me say like 20 swings or 20, of this 20, of that 20, of that they're like, you know, they're like, Oh, that's just not a big enough sample size. But that the the biggest part of all of that is saying, I don't need more than that to get started. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when we start getting started and we start going through movements and other parts that I would say were they're all all of it is an assessment. Every time we introduce something different, it's a new assessment. We're just doing a whole bunch mm-hmm. of different assessments. We're not doing it all at once, saying I need 300 of these. You know, or I need I need yeah. you know 500 of these to to actually give you an accurate information. Like no, like everything we do is an assessment. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. when we go through these movements, uh, or again, if we're going through movement prep or any of this stuff, like those are all assessments. I'm watching how that person moves and I'm making adjustments, um, th- throughout that time, you know, like, okay, well he can't do this movement right now. Or I'm also overlaying that with our guy, you know, our performance guy, like, Hey, like, you know, what's, what are lifts that he's really strong at? What, what are things that you issues that you see? Well, you know, and also go over to the, the throwing guy. Like what are things that you see in his movements? Like, yeah. Oh, he's really spinning or, you know, again, and we also have a whole bunch of 
we do different tests again when it comes to like fascia and all kinds of other things that we're really on right now um, of just mm -hmm. understanding um, like kind of getting a better movement profile of what I think this guy's capable of this moment. But um, you know, it's, it's, it's a very dynamic process and I don't think the model of like, you can just do this many swings and collect this data. And then all of a sudden you're going to have a great idea of how this person moves. I, I just, I, I don't, I don't agree with that. Yeah. No, it's interesting. And I agree a hundred percent. Now I want you to take a step back before we go into some of the meat of this. If I'm a college or high school, whatever level coach listening in right now, and like you said, the Swiss watch, I need help. You know, I need help finding my players. I need help uh, diagnosing the issues here. Um, if I'm trying to make it more um, objective and trying to, you know, gather information through these guys, can you dive into, uh, and uh, you, you mentioned in the tools you use, um, can you dive into something that's affordable that, you know, I can implement in gathering data and, you know, boosting my player development process? What, what, what would you say through what you guys use would be um, most efficient for me as a, as a coach, baseball coach today? Yeah. So great question. Um, first off, you don't, um, you can get, you know, blast motions, you know, like 145 bucks, I think it is. So if you were to get one of those, or again, to go actually through our link that we have, we have, uh, provided for, you know, guys as well is you can get those for pretty cheap and those give you some good feedback. I mean, I would, I would say that there's some cautionary, uh, tales that I would say about, uh, blast as well. Um, just like any other tool, just like any evaluation technology that is available right now, you have to understand what it's capable of doing and what it's not capable of doing. You need to know where its limitations are. And like, again, like I think a, a, a misuse of products that we have been kind of sliding into uh, of late is we let a company come back to us, which we, we kind of put them out of unfair advantage. It's a very tough thing for the position that we put technology companies in for them to go to them and say, Hey, I want you to tell me what are optimal numbers. Well, like, again, I work with athletes every day. You can, if you came to me and said, Hey, what's an optimal number? Like for who, for what, where, for what situation, for what age, for what, you know, what type of mover yeah. for, you know, it, it's just such a dynamic system. You can't, it's a very tough position that we put businesses in. And I, uh, you know, I had some conversations with some guys about this uh, before I was like, that's just not a fair comparison of like, you know, you to say mm -hmm. what's optimal for one guy or for another, like, you know, and um, you know, a lot of consumers try to place uh, these, these companies into these situations. And I, I was expressing this the other day that I don't, I don't think that's a fair thing to do because again, I work with so many athletes, um, you know, every single, every single week that it's just, you know, there's just no way that you're, you know, there's definitely some ranges that are like, you know, you want to be from here to here, but at the same time too, there's always going to be outliers. So, and, yeah. and that might be optimal for somebody, you know, like, again, you've everybody, that's listening right now. I'm sure a coach has had one kid that did some weird stuff, but he could hit, you know what I'm saying? Or had some mm -hmm. weird stuff, but he threw hard or got guys out. And so like, there's that always those outliers. And it, like I said, it, I've also seen um, technology and some of the old school coaches are probably like ready for this one to come out. I've also seen people there's, let me put it this way. There's people with technology. There's people with technology that are messing hitters up. And there's people that are without technology that are making players better. There's also people without yeah. technology that are making players worse. And there's also people with technology that are making people better. So like there's yeah. both sides of those and it's all about how we use the tool. Again, if you use the hammer trying to tighten a screw, like it's just dumb, right? Like you got to know what the tool is capable of doing. It doesn't mean that the, that the hammer isn't useful. We just got to know how to use it. Yeah. So like, mm -hmm. um, 
going back to that answer, I do think you can get your hands on, you know, blast, you know, blast motion. Those things are really cheap. Again, you could buy one privately, um, like just as you, and just have one. I, I used to have that even when I was a player, I just had one, um, to kind of keep, a, um, kind of a track of like where I was, but again, um, we got to know how to use the tool. Um, and then also when it comes to, you know, we can, the ball is always our feedback. You can understand that, uh, you know, majority of any ball that's hit at 90 miles an hour at 30 degrees, majority of the time that ball is leaving the field. So mm-hmm. 90 miles an hour at 30 degrees, that ball majority of the time is going to leave every ballpark. Now, obviously, you know, there's obviously, again, you're trying to give a range there, but there's going to be outliers, right? So with that being said, you can kind of get an idea of that of where balls are landing and where they're exiting. And we have, we've had some previous guests that kind of went into some of those things of how to, how to evaluate some of that, uh, some of those things. Like if you hang, if you hang, you know, uh, screens like in front of home plate, uh, like, a, like from the top of the, the Bubba, or if you put screens that in front of you, you can get a good idea of where, how balls, how hard balls are hit by where they land. Right. If you limit the, uh, the launch angle, um, above the hitter, and you also limit the launch angle from the ground, you can get a good idea of how, 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 um, how hard balls are hit just by where they land on the field. Um, and so I think that that's another thing that guys can dive into and get creative. And we, um, we just had a you know coach just a couple episodes ago talk about that and how they, he uses that system. But I would also say this is that we need to make investments. Like don't use yeah. as an, as an excuse again, to fundraise and to find ways to do that. Like, again, like there is some technology that's getting very affordable. Um, and you know, again, maybe, maybe we don't need to buy jerseys this year right? Maybe we don't need to go do mm-hmm. this. Um, and, and for, for God's sake, especially for the NAI, can we don't limit their food money? All right. <laughs> Junior college too. I played at that level. Yeah. Don't limit the food money. All right. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is again, we have to find ways to make things um, achievable. Cause at the same time too, um, I've seen a lot of ways to make money and also to, you know, we kind of got to put our business cap on, on that side and just figure out what way that we can contribute and add value to somebody that they're willing to contribute to us and buying some of this technology. Um, also too, I've heard about a lot of coaches that don't have the money for this technology and they reach out to these companies and they make deals with them. Maybe it's again, maybe you're, yeah. Maybe you're reaching out and saying, Hey, like if I, you know, did put out a whole bunch of content, I know, I know some guys that again, like uh, started podcasts like this or other things that have used that, um, as leverage to go out to some of these companies and say, Hey, what if I, you know, marketed your, um, you know, marketed for you or push your content and like, you know, guys get really big discounts because of stuff like that. Um, so I think you, I think mm-hmm. it's just not enough to just say like, not get creative. Like if you want something, you'll find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse. So if like, it's something that you feel like can really push forward, especially in the player development, um, you know, that's the same thing that major league baseball is doing right now. They're investing a lot of money into player development, which comes along with uh, technology. So there's a lot of those things, even like, again, uh, some of these technologies for like 3d software or markerless software, there's a whole bunch of things that you can get creative with. Um, and find ways there's also like local places around you, like labs that are, have marketless software that would love, again, need athletes and need very good athletes that kind of do studies and things like that. And you can get, you guys can make partnerships or you can reach out to universities around you that already have this technology. And again, like workout deals of, you know, maybe there's one day a week or one day a month that you can go out there and like evaluate hitters. Um, there's a whole bunch of different things you can do like to be creative again, but you just have to if you want it enough, you'll, you'll find a way to make it work. And if not, you know, you're just finding uh, an excuse not to go get it or not to worry about it. And, you know, just kind of stay in the past of like stone age thinking of like, this is how we're going to do it. So. No, and I think it's important to remember that, you know, those tools are investments and the return will be 
through our players on the field. So you made a good point. It's important that we find a way to get our hands on the tools accessible. And I also think this is a good time to throw in there, guys. We're also putting together some stuff on the website to where, uh, you know, we can get you guys some discounts on some of these tools that are being used today. So keep your eyes open for that. Um, I want to transition a little bit here, Joey. So you take your hitters through the assessment process. You decide they need some repatterning, like the video you posted on your Twitter. Uh, I, I had a few questions. I watched it and just thought, what the hell is going on? Um, <laughs> I, I had a few things. First things first, uh, what is that guy standing on? You just open <laughs> that up for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, first, uh, guys, that's funny because if, uh, if you're listening to this or you want to watch that video and you're just like, what the heck? Like, what's going on? Yeah, if I would have watched this video, um, you know, not too long ago, I would have also been in that mindset of like, you know, what's going on and why is it happening that way? But um, the biggest thing is just like you said, right off, right off the bat, he's standing on. It's just this is again about finding ways uh, to do things. So um, Bosu balls, if you guys haven't looked, a Bosu ball is like one of those balls that is filled up with uh, air and it kind of makes your your you know uh, surface underneath you um, unstable. Um, some guys would argue again that it's a waste of time, it's eyewash, all this other stuff. But one thing that has been put out on a whole bunch of study is is the uses uh, the use of proprioception. Um, so proprioception, if you guys don't understand what that is, proprioception is just body awareness and kind of understanding like, uh, how your body is moving. Um, and also too, there's a thing called spatial awareness, which spatial awareness is just understanding where your body is moving through space and also understanding, uh, where like how objects, how close they are to you. Again, like a ball flying at you, how many feet away is it from you? How do you, how do you need to move to get to this ball and make contact or avoid collisions, thing like that? Um, so with that being said, um, that, that mat that he's like sitting on is actually, um, it's a very cheap, very, 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 very cheap <laughs> with mattress, like cushion. It like goes on top of the mattress, like a foam, like pad. And, uh, mm -hmm. all we did is we, we, we took one it was actually it was trash. I think somebody was throwing it away and we stole right. it out of the trash. We stole it out of the trash and we have a couple at each one of our shops and what we use it for. And a big thing for us and somebody a lot of people mis misconstrue when they see our guys hitting on like BOSU balls or hitting on foam pads. They're thinking that we're trying to add all this instability and all this stuff. Like that's not where we're trying to do. Uh, we're trying to increase their proprioception and we're trying to have them. We're also using it as a constraint uh, to, to make their body feel what we want it to feel. So when, when that makes sense, like, like, uh, like in this, in this area, one thing we use our, our pads for is we want guys to really feel the floor. And so when we, you know, you'll have all these, you know, studies, there's all these guys talking about, and this is a, a great way of like, we're talking about of, um, you know, not, not many people can afford a force plate, right, Bo? So if guys yeah. can't afford a, um, uh, the, a plate like that, a force plate, uh, one thing we like to do is again, what's a cheap way that we can do that? Like there's, I've heard of guys like having guys hit in like, um, sandboxes. And I've heard of guys again, hitting on Bosu balls. We obviously do that. We also hit on like those foam pads. We also, we have guys hit with their shoes off. Like you also saw in that video that he also has his shoes off. Um, that's a big thing that we mm -hmm. do as well. We had a, we sat down with a whole bunch of people. There's a whole bunch of studies on, um, how much force, uh, guys create with different types of, uh, feet. Like again, if a guy has an arc or he doesn't have an arc, like I have really flat feet where well, there's a whole bunch of studies, mm -hmm. um, talking about like, if you were to jump, um, if you were to jump, you actually need to create an arc in your foot, uh, to get off the ground, like quicker. So the longer it takes you to actually get to that arc in your foot, um, like a lot of force production is lost. 
And so with that being said, like mm-hmm. a guy like me, um, I'm a lot more flat footed. So like, you know, you can also train that stuff by like plyometrics and a lot of other things, uh, to kind of teach people to get like arcs back in their feet and, uh, increase their mm-hmm. force production. But a big thing for us is when guys are hitting, um, some guys will call it like some guys will call it and like old school coaches will look at it and go, man, look at that guy's balance or, um, you know, look at like how that, you know, like a rod, a rod has actually been quoted. He's talking about Justin Turner at one point. And he was talking about, he's like, look at his legs. Like his legs look like they're these, you know, 200 year old, like oak trees or something like that. He used some analogy mm-hmm. of like, they're just rooted into the floor. And like, he just looks so stuck into the floor. And like, that's a big thing that we see with a lot of great hitters is how into the floor that they are. Um, mm-hmm. Now, one, one cautionary thing that I would add with that is that there is um, good hitters and bad hitters that both can create a lot of force into the floor. Now, the difference is, yeah. though, is all great hitters put force, a lot of force into the floor. So mm-hmm. there, you know, there's guys that can create uh, power, but at the end of the day, like they have to transfer it into the baseball. If they can't get it into the baseball, then that's great. They can create all this power, but they can't transfer it. Right. So like, yeah, you have those as well. So that's something that we like to do is like uh, that mat right there is, again, just to increase his proprioception and also to uh, to restrict um, a lot of guys are spinning with their back foot. They're not actually, um, they're not using their hips, um, as efficiently or their body as efficiently as it should be. Um, as we presented in our Palooza presentation, um, the back foot does not turn the hip, the hip turns the back foot. So all that stuff so is like that, squishing, go ahead. Is that why he's those first couple movements he has, he doesn't move his l- lower half at all. Correct. Yeah. So we, we call that for guys hitting from launch. And one thing you'll see is when you look at a lot of hitters is, um, if you actually watch a lot of guys don't turn their back foot too well. Um, and it's not like too mm-hmm. well, like that's the right, it's actually very efficient not to do it that way. Yeah. So if you go, if you go, and again, we're talking about like optimal length tension relationships there. So if you're, if you go and watch like seven year olds play baseball, right. Um, when you see mm-hmm. them, when you see them hit majority of them will not turn their back foot. Okay. And so what the reason for that is they're so loose cross body, they actually need to create stretch across their body to produce force and also stopping force, which is even bigger, which it's a, it's a big part of transferring force. Again, creating force is one thing. Transferring force is another. Um, but that's a very big thing. Like you'll see that with, uh, like seven-year-olds, like they don't even turn their feet. Um, and then all of a sudden you go up, I was funny. I was at a field with, um, Eugene's daughters. He has two twins and, uh, they have, uh, we went out to their field, almost none of those hitters turn their back foot. Then all of a sudden we go to mm-hmm. like the 12, 13 year olds right around the corner and they're all spinning, flying into their backs, yanking off balls. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. Like, again, like, but that's the, t- at that point, like we all know how big coaching gets and, you know, everybody's mm-hmm. been, you know, convinced like, look, you know, again, this is why you can't only go by with your eyes because you only, your mind sees what it wants to see. And so when you, when you look at, when you look at these things and a lot of guys, again, like that don't understand the human body or don't understand holistically like biomechanics on how the body, um, actually like in, uh, creates and, uh, distributes force. Um, it's a, it's a lot different Mm -hmm. than like, you know, kind of our preconceived ideas of what we think that looks like. So, um, it's very often that we have a lot of guys that come in that are very spinny like that are yanking and like, you know, squishing the bug, or they think they're going to create all this power if they just turn their back hip as hard as, I mean, turn their back knee as hard as they can in. Um, and we've also, we, you know, we partner with a lab, uh, that we partner with a lab out here. Um, actually like has like a half a million dollar system, uh, marketless system called see me. 
um, that we partner with. Again, that's again, we didn't have the resources to have our own lab, Bo. So we went and found one <laughs> and we partnered yeah. with them so that we could do some of this stuff. Um, and we ran studies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ran studies again, nothing that's peer reviewed or anything you guys can just like search, but things that we ran privately studies that we're going with hitters um, about force production mm-hmm. and, and what we're seeing. And so if you actually watch a lot of hitters, sometimes you even, if you scroll through like, you know, my Twitter, some of the things we, we, we talk about is when guys, um, internally rotate, uh, their knee or internally rotate their back hip. Um, I should say, um, early and out of sequence, what that does is it really causes them to lose their anchor. And that's what we like to call it is their back foot being anchored into the floor. Um, and so a big mm-hmm. part about that, why that's an issue uh, why that's an issue is if I was to, I, I take kids all the time and I make them do this. We go in the weight room and I give them like a strong band or we have a Kaiser uh, machine. So we, we give them something that's mm-hmm. very strong and I, I have them start from behind them, like in a negative move, like reaching behind their body. And then I have them try to pull mm-hmm. it across their chest. And when I have them do that, and especially as I go up in resistance and up in resistance and up in resistance, what you start seeing is their back foot almost never turns. Right. And so I asked them, I'm like, okay, like now I want you, I know you're not paying attention, but now I want you to do that, but try to turn your back foot. So then all of a sudden they try to do that and they try to turn their back foot. Um, and a lot of times they do it out of sequence, um, just like they're doing in their normal swing and, um, the the band or, or again, wherever the resistance is coming from almost pulls them back on their butt. Right. So they're not anchored Mm -hmm. into the floor. They need something to rotate away from and something to be pushed behind them. I kind of talked, I talked to people about this too. Like, um, when guys are like hitting, right? Um, like, let's say, like, say like football, for example. So in football, if somebody is going to run you over, right? Like this guy's about to run you over. And I say, Hey, get in a stance. Like right now I'm going to run you over, get in a stance so that you can, you can brace me. Right. What they do instantly is a guy put the foot behind them, right? They put a foot behind them. They have a foot in front of them. They get in a stance where they can kind of brace force. Well, I was like the same thing. I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, so imagine this. I was like, there's a baseball flying at you, especially when they start, it starts coming faster and faster, you know, 90, you know, 90 plus miles an hour. There's a force coming at you and you need to be able to brace that force. And so that you don't get deflected. If your barrel gets deflected or anything gets deflected, um, into contact, you're losing a ton of force. That's why you see like a lot of little kids, like when they hit balls and like all of a sudden they're, you know, the bat bounces, like you ever seen like a little kid, like hit a, hit a, backwards. Um, yeah. Yeah. When they hit a, like a, a basketball, you know, like the, the, the mm-hmm. bat just bounces back at their face. Um, they can't brace yep. that force. That force is too, um, you know, again, they can't just hit through that where again, if you were to do that with, we do this with a lot of our hitters too, if they were to hit something, um, weighted, um, you know, they can brace that force. So that's something uh, mm-hmm. we talk about as being like anchored into the floor and then creating force. And we, it's not saying that we don't want the back foot to turn. We just want it to turn in sequence, right? And yeah. um, there's also times, and like, again, somebody's going to, I know somebody right now has probably already stopped this podcast and like Googled. They want to like look up somebody and go, look, he's turning his foot. Like, look, I'm not saying that too. There's also a time and a place um, where guys, there's all, a whole bunch of ways to create force. A ton. I've, I, I pre, you know, I said that at the very beginning of the podcast. Like, there's a whole bunch of guys of different ways of guys creating force. Um, one thing that we like to do mm-hmm. is we're trying to teach guys to create force in shorter windows, right? And yeah. also stop force um, and transfer force in shorter windows. So I think of it like this, Bo. If you were if you were a fighter, right? Let's say you're, you know, 20 years old and you're fighting people on the street, right? which I know you do mm-hmm. on like Saturday nights, uh, Bo, like uh, oh, fight yeah. night. every but Saturday in any case, yep. <laughs> if you only, if you only had a haymaker, but it was a, it was an okay haymaker, right? You at low levels could knock people out, right? 
You're going to be mm-hmm. getting into a fight. You dodge a couple, you take a couple hits, maybe you hit them with some weak jabs. But when you hit them with your haymaker, boom, you knock them out, right? So for yeah. a little while, that works for you, right? That works for you. Mm-hmm. You're dropping haymakers, you're knocking people out. The problem with that, though, is if I grab you and had you fight Mayweather, right? That man mm-hmm. is going to knock you out when you reach back for a haymaker. Oh, yeah. Right? So, yep. so the difference between professional fighters and um, a lot of other fighters is, look, you might have a jab, but they're much more efficient at creating force in real short windows, right? And mm-hmm. because they're so efficient at creating force and transferring force into an object in front of them in very short windows, that helps them, again, be elite at where they are. Because, again, obviously, what, what are they doing? They're fighting somebody that is trying to make them miss, Right. So yeah. they're, they have somebody that's dipping, diving, like, you know, again, uh, wiggling back and forth, like, you know, um, and with that being said, these guys are constantly changing direction, you know, almost like, I don't know, like a fastball that's sinking, cutting, sliding, you know, curving, yeah. things like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have all these things where, again, if you could, the longer that you could wait and the shorter distance that you have to go to create force, um, is something that we, you know, directly correlate with somebody's hit tool. Right. And so. Mm-hmm. When we do that, when we do that and we, and we correlate that, like the biggest thing that we see is we have these guys that have these really long swings that produce a ton of force. The problem with that is those swings uh, rarely, um, you know, will work against elite level stuff, right? Just like if you were to yeah. get into an elite level boxing ring. So if you were a boxing coach, you wouldn't go to that guy and you wouldn't say, hey, so let's look here. Like, let's look at this. And you um, have a great haymaker. So you know what we're going to do? We're just going to keep getting that haymaker better. No, that's not mm-hmm. what that's not what a boxing coach would do. The boxing coach would say, hey, look, if you only have this haymaker, right, which that's fine. I'm, I'm happy you have it. There's a time and a place that you can use this, right? But you're, I need to teach trouble. you a jab. Yeah, I need to teach you a yeah. jab. I need, to, I need to teach you how to create force in shorter windows. I need to teach you how to fight, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the other side, the same thing too, like with baseball. I need to teach you how to hit. Right. So it's not about just creating force. I need to teach you how to, I need to teach you how to create force in shorter windows so that you can be a better hitter. Right. And Mm -hmm. so, um, that's like a big thing for us is like, that's why we start with a lot of that stuff in the very beginning. Um, as we're, we're, we're not, I'm not, I'm okay with not having the big move. Uh, we're teaching guys how to do things in shorter windows. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And it's interesting. You touched on something there as well. Um, as far as the length in the swing. Now, when I'm looking at this video of the kid uh, in the red shirt, he's doing the single ball throw. It's like mm-hmm. the second, maybe yeah. the third thing in there. Yeah. What What are you focusing on there? Because my eyes are telling me something, but I want to hear what what you're trying to implement with that tool. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. So um, to this point, again, I need to preface all of these things that these are all progressions. If one thing, if you look through Mm -hmm. the video, one thing you'll start to notice is kind of like a pattern, right? You can kind of see a lot of the same, a lot of the same movements happening, which is different implements, right? And so one thing that's different between every single athlete is that we need to test, uh, like kind of like assess where they're at. Again, do I, did they hold on to this pattern And, and and a test? A test is just testing the system. Like we, we test it with a higher stimulus. Like there's, there's people that can do a certain movement at two miles an hour, but they can't do it at 10 miles an hour. Right. So then we would have to go back at two miles an hour and say, okay, well maybe, okay, it's not ready for 10. So maybe we test it at three. Okay. Well he can do it at three, but he can't do it at four. Okay. Well, if he can only do it at three, but he can't do it at four, 
I need to um, add something and, uh, you know, I need to add some type of stimulus that's going to help him get to level four. And to do that, you know, a lot of times we change implements, we change intensities, uh, we change, we add uh, perturbations, we add, um, you know, instability, we add, you know, uh, tugs, you know, we like a, we have the core velocity belt right there too uh, that Lance Wheeler mm-hmm. uh, sells. And that's another thing. We add like yep. tugs on some things. We have, I try to pull guys certain directions. Um, we hit them. We do all kinds of different things um, that, are, you know, we try to, we, and then we'll go, and then what do we do? Then we go test. Okay, now he can do three, four, but he can't do five, right? So then we go back to four, yeah. the four level intensity, and then we do that again. And then again, like sometimes you get to one to 10 in the same day, right? And then other days, like with certain individuals, like, you know, I got to go 1.1, 1.2, 1.3, 1.4. Like, like it just, sometimes it's a really, really, really long process. And mm-hmm. that's where I think some of the art is in it is like, how do I design this? Or what can I say? Or what cue can I use? Or, you know, is it, do I need to say something external here, internal? Do I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I said, we use the full bucket of tools that are around us to what can we do to get this guy to move? Um, and that's very big. That's very big for like what we do. Like that's a, um, that process is very important and also something that's very misunderstood. So like we, when we go through those processes and how we train hitters, I think, I think too often, um, it's just a misunderstood concept of like, you know, guys try one thing and they go, Oh, well this didn't work. And it's like, well, yeah, you know how many things I try a week that don't work, that doesn't work with one of my hitters. You know what I'm saying like I come mm-hmm. up with I come up with things every single day. Like you could ask any of the guys that work out at our at our shop, like how many different um, ideas and how many different thoughts I put into their heads, or how many different uh, tools I use to try to get them to feel a movement. Or maybe we try to do something for a week, and I'm just like, okay, this you know I I later find out that this move just isn't going to work with because of not just because of one thing. Somebody would say, well, why why couldn't you just see that in your your movement screen in the very beginning? Um, I think, uh, and I can say this with confidence in this, in this, right, that there's a lot of things that you're not going to be able to see in a movement screen. Um, and there's, you know, and, and this is why is because what would be optimal, let's say for length tension might not be optimal for, um, like their torque relationship or positioning and torque relationships or, uh, what is optimal for, you know, uh, ball contact. Maybe, it, maybe this move creates a ton of force, but it, you know, it takes away his ball striking. Right. Or maybe this mm-hmm. move creates a lot of force, but it makes them susceptible to this or, you know, and again, that list yeah. goes on and on and on. So you have to constantly reassess. You can't just go, oh, this is what it's going to be. This is what it's going to look like. This is the plan I have for you. Like if you are to stay on course and not make adjustments to the sales as a wind change, like that's just, that's just you not being, um, as you know, an efficient coach, like you, there's no reason for you to be that stubborn. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially yeah. with how dynamic the system is. And also too, what was optimal for them at one time, you know, again, maybe four weeks ago, this worked for him, right? But his body has mm-hmm. changed over time because we're working on getting tighter and shorter windows and maybe he doesn't need to do that anymore. You know, so mm-hmm. like, that's a big thing. Those, those are big things to kind of take in as you're evaluating hitters and how we go like kind of about, you know, when we go throughout that process. Yeah. No, I wanted to touch on something there as well. You touched on the, um, uh, the velocity belt and both the players in the video are wearing it at one point in the process. Do you implement that? And what is the fill you're trying to get them to fill in this video? Yeah. So great question there. Um, we don't use it with every guy. Oh, we don't use it every single day. Some guys we do use it every single day. Right. Um, it's all about, uh, one thing that I learned, uh, when I was, when I was doing some things with the, with the bees out and salt, like, 
um, one thing that Donnie taught me um, was um, he, he just told me, he said, Joe, it's, it's not about, you know, what's your favorite or the drills that you like to do. It's, it's about what they need, what the athlete in front of you needs. So at the end of the day, like yeah. I look at all these things as tools. Um, I look at all mm-hmm. these things as tools. And so in that, in that example there, what I was trying to do is we're getting some resist and assist work in. So when I'm trying to teach him a move that I'm trying to get him to do with his lower half and in the middle of his body. And so what I was doing there with that belt on, I can hook. Uh, bands from different angles. Um, and, and, and people mm-hmm. think it's just like front and back. Like I can hook it from a multitude of different angles and get a different result and get them to feel some different things. So yeah. one thing was with that athlete there, he doesn't have the highest level of uh, proprioception or, or like awareness and especially not spatial awareness. Yeah. He doesn't understand where he's kind of moving. So when you kind of add mm-hmm. some of those resistances or assistances, you can feed the mistake, right? Where like, if they're doing something I don't want them to do, I sometimes just give them a whole bunch of that. Right. So like mm-hmm. if they're, if they're diving into the, like their back knee or something like that, maybe I pull them into it so that that way, again, they have to like co-contract and they have to go the opposite way and resist yeah. that movement that Slow they're, they're currently now. doing before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. like, that's something, that's something that is different between every single athlete. But in that, in that uh, situation there, um, again, I was, um, that was at a point where we had moved forward. I tested it. He still didn't have the pattern. And, and technically, again, even right now, he's in the middle of it. We're, we're definitely not blended back into his normal swing. But mm-hmm. with that being said, we went back and I said, okay, this, it, it didn't stick. So I have to add another way of getting his body to understand this movement and to really hardwire this thing into him. So what I did was, again, I put him, I put him in a belt. I, uh, uh, again, resisted him from an angle and also assisted him the opposite angle and then made him go through some of the, those similar movements and then challenged his system with that. Mm-hmm. See, so when you, did you film, is this the progression he went through all in one day on this video? No, no, this is multiple weeks. This is multiple weeks. Okay. So, so this is, uh, I, I grabbed, I was you can kind say, of say that'd be pretty impressive. If he's already moving that quick. Yeah. yeah. So he's gone through, he's, yeah, that's something that people misunderstand too. If you can ever get an athlete to do a movement rapidly, like within the same day or within a queue or something like that. And it matters how dynamic the move is, of course. But from my experience, one thing that I I've experienced just because I understand how long it takes to develop motor patterns and, and, uh, skill acquisition is that if you can get someone to do something very quick, uh, that is more of a movement transfer or a motor pattern transfer. And what I mean by that is that means that they've already done this, that move in the past and you're kind of just like waking it up, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. when you're kind of just waking it up, um, when you're kind of just waking it up, uh, that, that means like, yeah, you can get instant motor performance, uh, but that doesn't mean that you taught them that move. Right. When you're actually teaching a brand new move and you're teaching something, especially when it's a dynamic move and it has multiple kind of pieces when you're like teaching something like, you know, again, if you're going to teach somebody calculus, you'd have to teach all the prior segments first. Right. And so if you were to do that, you have to break it apart into pieces and classes and years and things like that. And so that's the exact same approach that we take is sometimes movements, dynamic moves that we want guys to make. We have to break it into pieces and teach it to them in pieces and kind of spoon feed them. And then bring them together by blending and like testing and, you know, kind of adding segment by segment. Um, so this is okay. uh, multiple weeks. This actually athlete, this may shock a lot of people. And this is not something that's completely uncommon with some of the guys that we have that are going through a full repattern. Um, like this athlete here, um, he is a gap year player and he won't be playing this season. So I have time to like kind of like pull Humpty Dumpty apart 
and put them back together again. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I have a whole bunch of time to do this. So that's why I, we chose to do this process with this hitter and all these moves that I wanted to incorporate into his swing then uh, the, the next season. So Mm -hmm. With this, this actual player, um, he comes in like almost every single day and for, I would say probably at least a month and a half, probably almost going into two months. He has not stepped in the cage. Not one time. So yeah, I was going to ask. That. Yeah. So yeah, you're literally just focusing on repattering. That's it. He doesn't take any swings movement. other than what you're doing. Yep. Just for his movement. movements. Yeah. Just okay. movement. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's all movement. Like everything he does every single day when he comes in, like he has, we have a plan of like kind of some of the progressions that we want to go through that day. And some of those, again, like mm -hmm. some of those progressions over time, he goes through them quicker. Right. So the yeah. first time the, the, you know, the first couple of days, maybe we only focus on two different, two different uh, ways of progressing this movement. And we just focus on two things. And then those videos there, mm -hmm. like all those movements that you see within uh, that video right there, those are, are something like now he might do all of those in the same day, right? Yeah. Because he's already, he's already done these. He does them every day. He slowly progressed them. Now he's, he's capable of going through each one of them with a, uh, with a quality of care. Right. And then from that point, then from that point, that's when we, again, continue to make it more dynamic and, uh, we keep, we keep adding things, but yeah, he might go through all of those in one day now. You know, but it, it, but we progressed oh. to that point. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a one day thing, you know, that, that it didn't start there. Like we built up to that. Mm -hmm. So what is the evaluation process or when you're repattering somebody, how do you track to where if their movements or are efficient enough to where they can go and start swinging normally again? Yeah. So again, like? again, you, you also have to look at like the dynamic of how much time you have. Right. So at sometimes like, again, like, so let's say we have a pro guy and he's got to go back in two months at some point you have to move on and say, okay, it's good enough for now. Yeah. Right. And like, this is where it comes into the art of it. As I got this exact question um, the other day, someone said, well, how are you evaluating this? Like, how do you know if they're yeah. moving better or they're not moving better? I mean, um, uh, step one is this, like, it's kind of like a, uh, like a psychologist, right? This would be good for you, Bo, because you'll understand this one. <laughs> um, like, okay, so if you're if you're navigating somebody's brain and you guys have been working on things, like, yeah, I can put them through a test and say, hey, look at this picture. What does this make you think? And all these other things, right? And you get some information back from that that might help you. But a big part of that is also from you having a whole bunch of clients that you've worked with in the past and seeing their progression. I also too, yeah. again, like what I do, like, again, if someone was going to tell me to bake a cake, I'd probably mess that up. But like working mm -hmm. with hitters and movement, like this is what I do. Like, this is what yeah. I do every single day. Now don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean, and some guys interpret that as like, okay, well, this is what the guy needs to look like. Like, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is mm -hmm. I can, I can see if that move is working for him is, does he have space again? And we're going up and testing these every single time. If he can't move on to this progression and move in a very similar pattern um, without, you know, again, with that evaluation in every stage, like that's very dynamic of what that looks like. But if like, mm -hmm. if he can't do that, that is again, a test for me. Um, when it comes to like, I know, and when I essence again, it's all about angles, right? Hitting is all about angles and then adding power through those angles. If you, yeah. um, if he can't create certain angles to certain pitches and we test and we test these again with a whole bunch of different ways that we go about doing that, um, and different ways that you can kind of slim that down when they're early in the processes. Um, but you, mm -hmm. when you go about that, you can, I can evaluate by looking at video and I, I almost video. The reason I had all that video together was I almost video almost every single one of his reps, almost every yeah. rep that he takes is on video. 
And that's like every turn, every swing. And he's doing, he could do like, you know, 10 every minute, you know, maybe more than that. It just matters how dynamic the move is. Right. So I video almost every single one of those and we compare those and we compare those obviously to elite baseball players and some of the moves that they do. We also have somebody that we're correlating like, okay, Hey, you know, a move that I think with your type of mover, with your, um, you know, the leverage that you have because of your limbs and your, your build and all these other things. And like, again, like maybe your, your, your fascial, like breakdown of where we think that you currently are or where we want you to be. This is kind of the direction that we're going to try to take you. And this is the move. And this is kind of what it looks like that we're trying to get you to do for the type of mover that you are. Right. So mm-hmm. like if we're, if we're, to, if we are to do that, we kind of uh, constantly do you're doing comparisons like, okay, so this is how you're moving, right? This is how he's moving. Right. And this is why we want this move to work for you um, in this sense. And like, don't me wrong. Obviously there's going to be a little bit, there's going to be variance, right? There, it's a different human being. It's not going to be the same exact move, but the closer we get, you know, again, the closer we get, like, let's say somebody had a movement profile like Mike Trout, which not many do. Right. But if someone mm-hmm. had a movement profile like Mike Trout, you know, we can look to that and say, you know, we have guys that have very Mike Trout, uh, Mike Trout moves, like ish moves, mm-hmm. JD Martinez ish moves, right? Um, like Turner ish moves, Donaldson ish ish moves, right? So when yeah. you look at those those movements and you compare them to those guys, because get those guys again, like if you're if you're you know Altuve size and you're trying to look at like Aaron Judge and you're saying I'm going to hit like him, like that's a flawed approach. Right. So those are yeah. kind of like our yeah. assessments is we, we look at this video, we see what he was doing prior. I teach them what I'm looking for, you know, within this move that we're trying to get him to create, um, show them examples of that. And we just, it's just a checks and balance thing back and forth, bouncing back and forth. And then also too, that's also leaves it on them. You know, um, they can also feel when it feels more efficient, like, man, like we've had guys go, man, that felt like the cleanest glass of water I've ever drank in my life. Stuff like that. Yeah. Like, like, like when, mm-hmm. when guys have feedback like that, like, man, like it was so easy. That felt so clean. You know what I'm saying? Like, and mm-hmm. the stuff like that, that's like things that we're searching for. And it's definitely not a lockdown. This is the way to do it. Let's write a book. And you know, the hundred percent, like we're all, we're all even me as a coach, obviously in process. Right. But mm-hmm. there is, there is this point of like, there's things that we can do to really help hitters. And by like track record of what we've done, like at 108 and by the performance mm-hmm. that a lot of our guys have, you know, we know it's working by the results that it creates. When a guy jumps in a cage and all of a sudden before he went in the movement work, you know, he was averaging this and we get back in the cage and all of a sudden he's averaging, you know, 18 miles an hour harder. That's mm-hmm. that that's results for us. That's where we check our work to make sure that that stuff's working. We're not just like shooting in the dark. Yeah. Right. Um, if this guy all of a sudden again is doing all this movement work and then again, and we do all these things in the cages and the guy gets on the field and he produces results, like those are our results. Right. And those are, mm-hmm. those are things that we're, you know, weighing ourselves against. And especially too, when we're overlapping that with all the data and stuff that we collected originally as well. So we have all that like overlap of where, what we're looking for and what that looks like, you know? Yeah. So when you're evaluating, obviously it depends on the time frame where this guy's taking the the gap year, you can evaluate every, extend that out versus the guy that has two months. But is there a more objective answer as to how often you at least test the measurables or is it just entirely dependent on the amount of time you have? Yeah, and also too, it's also dependent on the the learner themselves. Like there's, we have some pro guys that could care less what their EV is. We have some pro yeah. guys that can care less what any of that data says. And again, like 
And also too, again, I'm data influenced. So if there's something that I feel like I can't, like, I'm like, ah, I've just, it just, there's something about it. I don't like, right. There's something that's off. I mean, maybe I can't see and I can't figure it out right now. So like, then that's when I use like a lot of those tools too, where it's like, okay, this is what, I, or also too, I use those tools as a teaching unit as well. Maybe, maybe I'm going to jump on and I'm going to say, okay, look, you know, this is what I'm seeing. And then I throw them on data. Or again, I set up a constraint where it's like, okay, we're going to do all high fastballs, right? High mm-hmm. fastballs up in the zone with high spin rate, right? Then these guys, again, mm-hmm. they're having all these issues because of how they move. Well, again, that, that gives them yeah. feedback. I'm like, look, yeah, this is what I was telling you. This is what I, I, I thought was going to be an issue because of how you're moving, the angles that you were creating, right? And then, um, and then that assessment period is also different. Like, again, we're, it's not like um, a clear cut, like we're evaluating and assessing every single rep. Not, there yeah. isn't a day where it's just like, okay, like let's do this now. Like, yeah, we're assessing every single one of those reps. Now, and we're also using different yeah. technologies to do that. It could be, it could be an iPad. It could be, again, go, guys getting a movement specialist, or we're going into our biomechanics lab and, 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 and recording some of these stress levels or whatever. Right. So like, mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of different ways that we go about assessing those. But, uh, one thing I would shy away from, and one thing that we don't tie into where it's like, okay, we're going to do an assessment today. Like now, you know, I know you've been doing movement work for a month and a half, but I need you to jump in the cage today and hit off a machine coming at coming at you at 90. Like that doesn't yeah. make any sense. That guy's that, that, mm-hmm. that feedback is of course not going to be good. He's not been trained at that stimulus. You know, as I, like I said, some guys need to go step by step, right? Some guys got to yeah. go a, you know, 1.1, 1.2, 1.3. So if you were to mm-hmm. take that to one to a hundred, all of a sudden, when it got another guy's taking 50 steps between one and two, of course, you're not going to see great results right off the bat. But at the end of the day, it's like mm-hmm. the results that are created later on, uh, that mean the most to us. Like that's, that's what means the most. So that's kind of where we get our feedback from um, throughout that process. And it's a messy, it's a messy thing. And it takes a lot of time. And it's definitely, you know, mm-hmm. it's definitely something that's not for the weak hearted. Like that, like it, it yeah. is very strenuous. You know what I'm saying? When we have to repattern yeah. somebody's motor patterns that they've had for, you know, 20 years. You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah. that's a, that's a, that's a big, long process. But at the end of the day, like, you know, our pro, our pro athletes and some of these guys that want to make some of these big changes in their careers and they want to, you know, end up somewhere new that, you know, that's why we, that's why we do that initial interview process. Cause we know what that looks like. We know how strenuous it's going to be. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. No. Yeah. It's a lot of good stuff. And, uh, you, you opened up the door on that video, but you also opened up the door for these conversations moving forward. Um, and also for our listeners, don't hesitate. If you guys have any questions about anything that you ever see on social media that you ever see, uh, uh Joey posting, I know I have a lot of questions with a lot of the things he post and a lot of things that he says so don't hesitate to do that but um I, I, I think it was great joy i think you opened up the door for conversations not only on the podcast but also in the coaching community yeah absolutely and like i look forward to again guys like a big thing that we're gonna do is like kind of put out a lot of feelers on what you guys would want to you know talk about what do you guys want uh, me to discuss open doors of how we can do that and also that's going to help us bring on different guests of things that you guys would like to hear so that's a great part um you know that we can bring over is, is again, what questions do you have about some of the information that, that I just talked about? Um, some of the, you know, bring things to, you know, Bose and I attention that, uh, uh, you know, you don't understand completely. Maybe I said some things that you need me to break down or I said some things where you're like, you're seeing certain things and hitters that, you know, how guys we'd go about it or how we do it at 108. Um, all great questions for you guys to ask. And we're going to be putting out surveys and stuff on social media 
just kind of getting a better feel for what you guys would like us to talk about in future episodes and uh, what guests those would come on and maybe that help us facilitate those questions as well. So um, as always, guys, check out our our um, our podcast online. You can, there's a whole bunch of uh, resources and stuff on uh, online for you guys at our website, thesystem.farm. Uh, check out some stuff there. But guys, as always, from our partners over at Rapsodo, until next time, Farm System out.